As I mentioned, we were away last weekend for a funeral and appreciate you sort of understanding and allowing me to speak to you by video. I had prepared that message and it had become really important to me and I wanted the opportunity to share it with you. So thanks for watching that rather than having one of us live in the room. We were at that funeral for Leanne's grandmother who was 99 years old, lived a very full life. And, and you know, as a part of that, lots of facts and stories were told about her, nine kids, 29 grandchildren. 67 great-grandchildren, 25 great-great-grandchildren, pretty big family. They weren't all there, of course, but um, even with a fraction, that was a large group of people gathered to remember her. And lots of stories told about her practical jokes she used to play on people, about her faith, and about how important family was to her. And, you, know, you could have been there and heard all of that, and still, you wouldn't have really known her. And it makes me think about how do we get to know people around us? Like we can meet people and learn some facts, where you're from, what kind of work you do, do you have kids, grandkids, all those kinds of things. And we still don't really know someone just because we know those facts. And it takes time hearing the stories and getting to know what's important to that person to really know them. And it made me think about this question. How do we know God? Okay. How do we really know God. It's an important question and it's important for us to think about how that happens. And really, I think if we look back in history, we find that human beings have been trying to understand God and know God from the very beginning. And in fact, human beings have looked around and looked up in the sky and seen the sun and the moon and the stars. And they thought, man, that's huge. It's beyond us. It seems transcendent. And many human beings have, have made gods out of those things and worshipped them. Some others have looked around them and seen the powerful things of nature, seen storms and seen high places and, and all of this and thought, man, that seems like it's beyond us. It's God and they've fallen down and worshipped. They've looked inside and seen the things that are powerfully at work in us, the things that drive us, the things that maybe help us control life or sometimes can cause us to lose control. And they've worshipped things like wine and sexuality and those have become our gods. And others have just thought about what was important to them and almost created their own gods. You know, what, what really matters to me? What is valuable? What is a value in my life? And those became gods. So we've been seeking this out from the beginning of time. And, and some of those things have a grain of truth in them, but they are not an accurate picture of God and certainly not a full picture of God. So how do we know God? And I want us to think about some important answers to that question, one in particular today. And it's the lesson I want us to take away from this today. We know God by looking to Jesus. We continue today in this series called Real Life, and we're thinking about a full and meaningful life. How do we get there? What leads to that? And one of the things we need is to, to know God. It's innate within us to want to know God. And the way we do that is to find Jesus. And I want us to think about a story that teaches us that today and how it feeds into our understanding of God. The story is found in John chapter 14. But to talk about the story, we need a little bit of the setting. And the setting is the very last meal that Jesus has with his disciples before the crucifixion, before he dies. And so he gathers them together for this meal. All the Gospels record it. But John gives us the fullest account. 
And in fact, it goes on for several chapters. Jesus teaching his disciples, it's just them, around that table and encouraging them, but also telling them some difficult truths. Some things that were going to happen, like the Holy Spirit was going to be part of their lives, but some difficult things too, like he was going to die. He also told them one of them would betray him to the authorities, sort of turn him over to the authorities. And he even, and everyone doesn't see this that's sitting around that table, but he identifies Judas as the one who will do it. But it's clear he's going to be betrayed. And then he points to Peter, one of the leaders, and says, Peter, before tomorrow morning, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to say you don't even know me. Peter couldn't believe that, didn't want to believe that, but Jesus says it's true. And so, so in the midst of that meal, here they are, afraid, surprised, they don't know exactly what to expect, and concerned, maybe even Worried. This is what Jesus says in the face of those worried looks in verse 1 of chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, how does it feel when you're really worried about something? I mean, it's really bothering you, and someone you love turns to you and says, just don't worry about it. You want to smack them, right? Because if you could just turn worry off like a spigot, you would have already done it. I mean, it'd be easy, if, it'd be great if you could just turn worry off that easy. But it usually doesn't work that way. I mean, there's something going on that has us troubled. Our heart, our spirit, our soul is troubled. And to just say, okay, I'm not going to be worried about it anymore feels impossible. But yet Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. But he doesn't just leave it there. He takes it a little further. He says, you believe in God, right? Well, believe in me. Believe in what I'm telling you. He's bringing himself and God together there, and he gets a fuller picture in just a minute. But the point is, your faith in God is the beginning of what carries you through difficult times. Yeah, some bad stuff's about to happen. Face it with your faith first. That's going to be the beginning of how you handle this. Jesus goes on in verse 2. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am going. Jesus is encouraging them. There is something yet, yet to come. Yes, it's going to be difficult, but I'm preparing for it. He says, my father's house. Now that phrase is only used one other time in the Gospel of John. And it's used there to describe the temple. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. I think he's talking about a future reality. Saying there will be a time when things are going to be different. Yes, life can be difficult. Yes, this is hard. Yes, I'm also preparing something for afterward. In my father's house are many rooms. Now, some of you will think of the King James language that's used there, the older translation that says, you're going to have a mansion. And you're thinking, man, have we been demoted from mansion to room? But the word there is dwelling place. Best translated, dwelling place. And, and we don't know the size, right? It could be a room. Some of the translators think the best way to translate that for our understanding would be like apartment 
Maybe it's a mansion. My guess is that when we get there, the size of the dwelling will not matter. What will matter is, it, is that we are in our Father's house. We are in the presence of God. And what Jesus is saying is, yes, life can be hard. And you're about to face something that is going to be truly difficult. But that's not the end. There is something coming that will take the place of all the struggles you have now. And God is preparing it. And you will be in the presence of God. And Jesus says, hey, <clears throat> I'm going to take you with me to be where I am. And then verse 4, you know the way to the place I'm going. Okay, you know how to get there. You've been listening to me for three years. And Thomas, in his complete honesty, says, Jesus, I got no idea how to get there. I don't know what you're talking about. Because I don't know about this place, the Father's house, and there's rooms, and how in the world are we supposed to get there? And Jesus responds with some words that are really powerful. Verse 6. If you want to know the way, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay, Thomas, and my guess is Thomas is speaking for the rest of the disciples. They don't know exactly what Jesus is getting at. If you want to get to God, if you want to know God, Jesus says, I am the way to do that. I'm the truth about God, and I'm the life with God. Now, it should remind you maybe that we, we've been thinking about some statements that all begin with the words, I am, that sort of tie Jesus into the Old Testament understanding of God. In the Old Testament, the name for God is I am. And so Jesus is bringing himself to God and saying, I am one with him. And one of the ways that Jesus could say, I am, I am God, is I am the way, the road, the path to God. If you want to know God, he says in verse 7, you got to know me. And maybe we're thinking in our sort of modern understanding when Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Man, how does he get off sort of making this exclusive claim about knowledge of God? How can this ancient Jewish teacher say, I'm the only way to get to God? People in our culture might say, aren't all religions sort of like, aren't they the same thing? Aren't they just multiple paths to the, to the same God? How can Jesus make this kind of exclusive claim? And the truth is, it's not just a guy who decided this. This was who Jesus was. Jesus is not saying this in competition with religions. Jesus is saying, I'm the Son of God. And my mission was to bring you to God. This is what he was all about. From the manger, right? I mean, we talk about God coming in human form a lot at Christmas, and we sort of forget that, but his whole story is about God in human form with this mission to bring us to God. And so Jesus can say, if you want to know God, if you want to get to God, I am the way. I'm the way you do that. 
if you want to know God, I'm the way you get to God. And he says, from now on, you do know him and you've seen him. And then Philip pipes up. Well, Jesus, that's awesome. I mean, if you can show us God, why don't you do it right now? Why don't you do something that'll show us God, like tune him in so we can see God right now. Make it happen. Jesus looks at Philip, and maybe this is, again, for everyone, and he is like the most exasperated you see him. Because his response basically says, that's what I've been doing for three years. Have you not seen any of it? Like, have you been paying attention to anything I've done in the last three years? This is what Jesus says. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. If you want to know God, look to Jesus. Jesus says to Philip, listen, I've been teaching you the same thing for three years. When I spoke, it was God speaking. When, when I acted, it was God acting. It's like Jesus is saying, like a, like a math teacher who for two weeks is teaching quadratic equations, quadratic equations, quadratic equations. Then finally, at the end of the two weeks, some student raises his hand and says, could you, could you start teaching us quadratic equations, right? I've been doing this over and over. Philip, don't you, don't you see that when you have seen me, you have seen God? It's not that I've got to do something special today to show you God. Everything you have seen me do has been God at work. Everything you have heard me say has been God speaking to you. And the message was for Philip, but the message is for us too. Everything you've heard Jesus say in the Gospel of John or the other Gospels is God speaking. And everything he does is God acting. If you want to know God, look to Jesus. Over and over, he has been showing us God. And you know, sometimes we're a little like Philip. Sometimes we're a little bit like, I want something big, Jesus. I want you to make this so clear that, that I can't doubt it. Nobody can doubt it. I want you to do something I want you to do something now. And Jesus says things like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. He turned the water to wine, fed a bunch of people, healed people, and he raised Lazarus from the dead. And we say, why don't you show us God? And he says, that's what I've been doing. And if we're looking for a God that we don't find in Jesus, if we're looking for something else, our God is a lie. If we're looking for a God that we don't see in the Gospels, 
We're worshiping a false God. Because Jesus is all the God we will ever need. He is God in the flesh showing us who He is. This is how we get to know God. And so, here we have it. And I encourage you to read through the Gospel of John while we're in this series. And, and maybe you haven't gotten to that yet. And you know what? That's okay. You can start today. There's still plenty of time. Read through the whole thing. We've just taken a few little episodes. Hear the whole story and see what, what Jesus is showing you about himself and therefore about God. But don't leave it there. There's three other Gospels to read as well. And you know, the good news for us is, like, while throughout Christian history, lots of people, lots of Christians have only had access to this book by coming into a room like this and listening to someone like me read it, sometimes in a language that they didn't even understand. We have incredible access to God's Word. We can buy printed copies that are not expensive. We can access it online for free. And yet sometimes we just don't do it. We've got all these translations and Bible helps and we, we just don't even use them. Let me encourage you to use them. Pick it up. And read it. Because God is just waiting to show you who He is in the story of Jesus. So find that story and listen to it. Because if you want to know God, look to Jesus. He's waiting to show you God to give you a full and meaningful life that just can't happen unless we, we sort of deal with this innate desire to know the one who made us. Let's pray together. Yeah, we're so thankful for the stories of Jesus that show us who you are because that's the way Jesus wanted us to see you, to hear you, and we want to know you. We want to be close to you. Show us what you want us to know in your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll continue in worship.